Wrestling should be fun. Should be fun. Wrestling should be fun. Wrestling should be fun. Should be fun. Wrestling should be fun. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Wrestling Should Be Fun podcast, episode number 83. Any famous 83s come to mind? Can't think off the top of my head. T Higgins, now he's 85. Anyway, uh, we're joined by a panel of four of the greatest wrestling correspondents in the world today. Starting with the most capped Wrestling Should Be Fun member, it's Ross the Boss Casey. Hey, mate. Very fortunately picking up another cap this evening. Very, very excited for this one because we've got a huge guest. We do. We do have. We, we've got also, um, I'm Jason Yates, by the way. Forgot to uh, introduce myself there, but I think everyone knows these dulcet towns that often heard silkily coming across the radio at uh, BBC Radio Devon. Have you ever been to Wales, Warren? No, but I've often thought I'd like to. Well, don't. It's a ghastly place. <laughs> Huge gangs of tough, sinewy men roam the valleys, terrifying people with their close harmony singing. <laughs> you need half a pint of phlegm in your throat just to pronounce the place name. <laughs> Never ask for directions in Wales, Baldick. You'll be washing spit out of your hair for a fortnight. Well, I did mention wrestling this week as a... Back in Fenwar was just in front of us at Wickham. So I made sure I got a wrestling shout out on the radio. Nerd! Anyway, <laughs> also joining us is the master and the original member of a now ever growing Harry Brook fan club. It is Brum. Matt Brummett, how are you doing, buddy? Yeah, not doing too bad, mate. Not doing too bad. In terms of most ca- I don't know what number of caps I'm on, I'd like to know. Probably th- like in the sort of 30s. A Steve McManaman or a Sean Wright Phillips kind of number. <laughs> so I did do it about a few episodes back where I re- read out the whole list, uh, but I haven't been keeping it up to date since, so I'd have to go and find which one that was and start again. I'm not doing it from the beginning again. That took ages. <laughs> uh, we're also joined by Wrestling Should Be Fun royalty today, the former, former or current, I think former Shockmaster champion. Both. Both. <laughs> but always the champion of our hearts. It's really nice to hear you, buddy. Uh, the Sultan is back on the air. How are you, Sultan? I'm very happy to be here. As you said, former and current Wrestling Should Be Fun Shock Mastermind champion. My first pod appearance since the last. I'm the, the Vout Weghorst of Wrestling Should Be Fun. <laughs> you know, It's not about caps. I got those trophies to, to show. <laughs> to show my worth. Excellent. Excellent. Uh, yeah, so we've got a pretty packed show today. We've had AW Revolution. Uh, we haven't done a show since last week's progress, I don't think. And we also, a few of us were at the uh, G Money's Daft Lads Emporium last night, which was a, a whole lot of uh, fun. A wrestling should be fun. Uh, right up our alley. Phrasing. Uh, street or uh, common, I don't know. But we will begin with what the lads are watching. Hit that jingle. I've been watching you a la 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 long, a la 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 long, 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 come on. A la 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 long, a la 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 long, 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 yeah. Guys, so yeah, how many people have we all watched Revolution? I know Ross, you did as you were with me. A nice little wrestling should be fun gathering with Mike and Oscar and brief appearance from Shads. Bramit and Shaf, have you watched Revolution? I'm guessing so, as you've turned up. <laughs> yeah, that's the only reason we're in, mate, isn't it? <laughs> Did you watch it live or the next morning? Or? Uh, mate, uh, like, no fucking chance I'll ever watch a wrestling show live again. Stay up to <laughs> what, like four or five o'clock in the morning? 
Yeah. Need about well, that, just no, no. I watched it. I, well, I mean, I watched it not far off live. I probably started watching it about quarter to six the next morning. That's, yeah. my, that's, my, that's my old man body cycles now. In bed by half nine, up before six o'clock. What? Oh, what a loser. I said, it felt for me, I say watching it live, uh, I'll struggle watching the next morning. I don't have the, if I don't watch it live, I don't have the enthusiasm so much to, to watch stuff. I, I like with the chance I might, you know, I don't, it's not happening in the moment. It felt quite a tight show. It had a few matches for an AEW show. Yeah, was it, yeah, was it eight, which is a small card for them? Usually they run about 28, don't they? Let's try again, shall we? I have two beans. Then I add two more beans. What does that make? A very small casserole. <laughs> I'm sure there was 15 on All Out, yeah. Bonkers numbers. Yeah, I, th- I think that's right, Shaft, wasn't it? Was it eight? I'll take your word for it. It sounds, it sounds right. I mean, it's not like it was a short show. It was still clocked in almost four hours. Well, that is, again, yeah. short for them. <laughs> it, it, it felt, yeah, it's, it's interesting you mentioned that, JC. It, it, something about it felt tighter than potentially the other shows. Yeah, I, I thought it relatively, as four hours of watching wrestling goes, it <laughs> relatively flew by. I'm not, I'm not saying it was all killer, no filler, but it was, yeah, I thought it was a, a pretty fun romp of a show. Well, Oscar and Mike couldn't even get the tra- trains hadn't even started when it finished. They had to hang around my house and tidy it up while I went to bed. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think that uh, Revolution was an interesting pay-per-view. I think it was probably the least, possibly the least anticipated pay-per-view, uh, AEW pay-per-view so far. I think there's been a lot of criticism about the television product over the last few months. A lot of meandering storylines, a lack of interest, kind of playing off against the contrast of WWE going into a bit of a purple patch with things like the the Bloodline storyline. LA Knight is starting to catch fire over there. So the contrast of Triple H taking the book in WWE, increased interest in you know Raw and SmackDown against AEW kind of feel like they've been treading water a little bit. Uh, there haven't been those killer storylines uh, that we've perhaps associated with them. So going into this pay-per-view, I think that anticipation was at something of an all-time low. And I think that that did have an impact on this card in some places. The things that I enjoyed, I really enjoyed. The things that I didn't enjoy, it was probably due to lack of personal investment uh, in the stories and the build-up. As you say, in regard to the card, I think it came in at about three hours, 50 minutes. It felt tight. I think that was helped by the main event that we'll obviously get onto. But that was the quickest 60-minute match I've ever seen, you know, so I think that that helped. But yeah, I don't know if you guys have been following AW week to week. I watched every episode of Dynamite from the beginning, and yet I haven't really watched it at all the last three months. I feel like, as I said, some of the interest has died a little bit. It hasn't maintained that must-watch element to it. So I was coming into this card with a bit of trepidation, but certainly left it feeling a lot better than I did at the start of it, if that makes sense. That's super yeah, interesting sure, I, I think... that, that you didn't have too much investment, Shaf, because obviously you are Mr. AEW, but yet again, the roster reigns supreme and the fact that you just get these wrestlers given time to do their thing in a pay-per-view with matches ranging from grudge matches through to kind of just a final burial match <laughs> that um, <laughs> may well be a bit more attitude than AEW normally is, but you give these people on this roster a chance to shine and they always do booking wise as you say potentially it's been a bit off compared to where it was but i think that coming out of revolution there's plenty to be excited about and this dynamite show is no different that's happening this evening i'd say 
I mean, it's interesting. I do agree with you, Ross, but there, there is like AW basically pretty much deliver on every pay-per-view to different extents, but they're always good shows to, to one extent or the other. But I'm still, despite not only the quality of the card, but I guess the positive and interesting booking of the card, there is still a chance that we just go back to business as usual for Dynamite for the last sort of three to six months where... I agree with Shaft. I've kept up, actually, and I don't, I don't watch Rampage now, but I do watch every Dynamite, um, though I probably used to watch the whole Dynamite in about skipping it together into about 45 minutes. Now I'll maybe skip it to about 11 minutes. Because um, <laughs> there is just, yeah, there's, even though I, I'm a big fan of the roster, there's not a lot that's tickling my gusset, really, on there. But I am, I'll, I'll always, always look at it optimistically, and I hope that will get, get something out of it. Is it worth it? Sort of Shaft, Shaft touched on that there was some great stuff on, and there were some things that he wasn't interested in. Rather than necessarily running this chronologically, is it worth almost to go like average ones up and, and get the ones out that we thought were a bit filler? What we thinking, guys? Was Wardlow Joe the low point of the card? I think that we're probably all going to have slightly different opinions on on what we did enjoy and what we didn't. Mm. I was out of, if there were eight matches, as he said, I was probably only really enjoyed maybe three of them. They started with Jericho Starks, didn't they? I think there are issues around Jericho in AEW at the moment. For the last 12 to 18 months, I just, I don't find him particularly interesting, which is a shame because previously he's been far and away the highlight of aw shows like i love the inner circle but i think js has been a miss the storylines and their feuds seem to go on forever particularly the ones with the blackpool combat club and even when jericho loses it doesn't really feel like the other person wins they often seem to come out of feuds with jericho in a worse place than where they started and lose a lot of momentum and kind of feel that way with this match with Starks that he got the win which is great but it's not really what I want to see him doing I think Starks is very talented he's very charismatic I feel like he's at this spot now where he needs a breakthrough match and wrestling Jericho isn't really it I think Hangman obviously had a 60 minute match with Danielson which really showed what he could do what he was capable of we'll obviously get onto it later around MJF Danielson 60 minutes I kind of feel like Starks is missing that epic to really get him over the top. I think for his own good, get him as far away from Jericho as possible. And I think Jericho's feuds going forward need a bit more care and a bit more, you know, whether it's this, whether it was the Kingston feud, I'm just not really into what he's doing. And I feel like it has a negative impact on his opponents at this stage. And that isn't that he can't go. It's just that the actual booking of the feuds is, is not interesting. And I think it's really interesting, Shaft, because the well, <laughs> the not not Jericho being interesting, your point being interesting. The um how what you were saying before about with what was going on with Starks, it felt like he needed that momentous match and that big win. And it felt like Tony Khan agreed with you and he was like, Oh well, we'll put Starks over Jericho. But then he sort of put his pen down and went to do something else because there was just absolutely no care or anything done to have that match or have that feud in any way that kind of gave Starks a bit of buzz. It was just all a bit dreary and boring. And yeah, the match itself was fine. And obviously it was the right result. And the match was actually probably better than what I thought it was going to be. But yeah, it's not got me coming out of it buzzing about either guy. Does, does maybe 
Jericho need to go off TV for a while and come back in his 18th repackaging or something like that? Possibly. Jericho is interesting to me because obviously he's been a mainstay of AEW where he was at the top of the card. Then he went further down the card, but always stayed up a mid card. But it's almost like he's found himself at a point now where he's taken on all the people that you feel like really matter. And now he's kind of doing this role where he's helping, well, trying to help his group along, JAS, with the people in there, and also helping the likes of Starks with the idea being that you're in feuds with someone who's a much bigger name than you. So I think, unfortunately, it gets a bit samey after a while. Like, it almost feels like, okay, who's the next guy that this person will be up against because it's going to fit that same format now, if that makes sense. Mm. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. I'm really interested to see, in terms of what was Shaft's only three interesting matches, and I think we'll find out now, because I had more of a four rather than a three, in terms of the, the trio's title and Jungle Boy versus Christian. So I guess Shaft is, does Christian and Jungle Boy get the Sultan's thumbs up? So it doesn't make my top three on this card, oh. and my third choice probably on merit probably shouldn't be in the top three, but it was just what I enjoyed. I think... The issue with this match, there's, the match itself was fine. I think the way that it's been harmed is that this storyline has been going on for so long because of Christian's injury. So he turned on Jungle Boy, uh, I think June 15th, AW Dynamite Road Rager. So it was nine months ago. He's been out for six months with injury and it's just been difficult to keep the interest in this storyline. I think Luchasaurus has turned heel twice. So I was really interested nine months ago in this feud, but because it's taken so long to actually get to the payoff, I think that's where it affected some of my enjoyment and investment in this match. Fair, fair. Yeah, I really enjoyed this match. There was a moment in this match that it felt like, oh shit, this actually is a grudge match. Things are picked up where there was that hard way headbutt, which isn't cool, let's be honest, but it made for a pretty amazing visual, which obviously cut Christian Hardway, the headbutt by Jungle Boy, uh, then it spilled it over onto the outside and it really felt like the match was going somewhere more than just your usual wrestling match. Then also, obviously, it, it played off the previous stuff with the Perry family on the front row, which I thought was cool. was quite a nice touch. My favourite thing about this match, though, was the fact that Christian came for uh, this match in his turtleneck, but then just cut off the sleeves of the turtleneck. I didn't invent the turtleneck, Lana, but I was the first to recognise its potential as a tactical garment. Uh, the tactical turtleneck, Lana. Archer. The tactile neck. Oh, just unbelievable. Okay. That's worth half a star alone, surely. I <laughs> uh, love that. But yeah, the finish was great. Really enjoyed it. The concerto looked brutal. I quite like the fact that commentary were basically saying like Jungle Boy was taken to a place that he didn't even really want to go. And like his reactions showed that. I like that. Obviously, I'm someone that loves a baby face. So I enjoyed that. I was a little bit shocked that we didn't get uh, any sign of Luchasaurus in this match. I was half expecting him to come out of that coffin a bit like The Undertaker back in the day. But I don't think it needed him. We're moving on. And Jack Perry is hopefully moving up the card because I bloody love him. Well, that was, I mean, it's right up your street, Ross, because I think the Christian being an old school piece of shit heel was just fantastic, wasn't he? And he's, I mean, he's, you know, he's been great at that for all of his career, but I thought he was amazing. And, and considering he's what, like early mid 20s, Jungle Boy, him actually, he's really good at the emoting side, isn't he? So I think 
it's only only probably going to get better at that. So, yeah, I agree with you. It's going to be interesting to see what's next for him. I really enjoyed the match a lot more than I thought I was going to with the, you never know, with these sort of stipulations. But, I, yeah, I thought it was a, a really, really enjoyable um, match where the uh, babyface finally getting the victory that he needed, I say. And I think that might be uh, Christian Dunn with AEW. And I think the babyface literally killed him off. Not like done, come back after a while, you think done, done. I think he's done. Yeah, I don't think there's anything else for him to do. But I, I think that's a perfect way for him. He's come in, you know, as a big, bigger named heel. We had a little bit of a feud at the top, then he's gotten over one of their pillars, as they, as they like to call him, and sent him to another level. And I think that's his job done. And I think he'll ride off into the, uh, the sunset and maybe he'll find a judgment day in about a couple of months' time or something. I don't know. But. <laughs> I generally think I think that's probably him out though. I think I can't see what else he can do there. On the level of Dunn, JCH is that Kevin Dunn, David Dunn, or Romeo Dunn? Do you think? Well, David's the top level of the Dunns, isn't he? <laughs> so I, 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 I'd go with that. Yeah, he's David. <laughs> I think what was interesting about those first two matches is that you actually had a lot of parallels between them. The established older star uh, in the heel role trying to put over the young up and comer. I think that Christian did a much more effective job of it, to be fair. Like, he was genuinely hateable in this feud. He wasn't a cool hill, was he? He, he wasn't no. redeemable in any way, shape, or form. Apart from his uh, sleeveless towel, Nick. <laughs> well, well it's, it's interesting, Chef. I won't say it's just for the first two matches. Um, you know, the, the trios match aside, the rest of the card is older, yeah, basically former WWE veterans putting over young up-and-coming AEW originals times seven because there's those yeah. two obviously. Hater against Sarai Soho Page over Mox Wardlow over Joe and MJF over Danielson you can even extend it to the to the tag match as well so um, it's just that was the theme of the card really which is quite interesting and and, what, and must be on purpose what I found also interesting and slightly also on that theme which I think is a good spot from is the heels won the titles outside of Wardlow and then the Baby faces won their feud. Adam Hangman Page, Ricky Starks, and Jungle Boy. So they've set up a trio of credible challenges for MJF uh, in that role. Um, obviously, some of them will probably be like a TV feud. Some of them probably aren't quite ready for the main event of a of a pay per view, and they don't have that many. But it's, you know, I thought they would, it was literally the baby faces winning every undercard feud to set up for the uh, the title chase. So I guess in a match three, and this if this isn't in one of Shaft's top three, then I'm starting to get confused. But the um, six-man PWG bonkers fest. Rubbish. Absolutely. <laughs> now, this was um this was the first match on the card that really got me really into what I was watching. I think we say about AEW in general, it doesn't really matter how the storylines are going. Like when it comes to pay-per-view, they always deliver. And I think that's something that you could say about the Young Bucks and Omega as well. They just, they don't miss. They don't have bad pay-per-view matches. I don't really know what a lot of the build-up to this was, but I can probably imagine it wasn't that interesting. I'm not sure the last time the Bucks were involved in an interesting storyline. I think that House of Black often get kind of lost in their gimmick and the need to build stories around that like they have with Death Triangle previously. But when it comes to the actual matches, just wrestling magic. It was just brilliant. Loved it. Yeah, it was my second favourite match on the card. The trios match. 
it's yeah, it's interesting that shaft. But as someone that did watch the whole build, the return of the elite, which had a lot of buzz around it because of obviously how they kind of I guess came off TV, just an embarrassment probably on AEW's front what they did with them returning, just nothing like actually and post the death triangle stuff it feels like they've just been stood in corridors holding basketballs having matches with people i don't really fussed about watching them wrestle listen 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 fuck off fuck off fuck off fuck off get out so i think they've got it very wrong but this map yeah this match was was very good but brody king he looked like an absolute star in this match ross jch what you guys thought about this one my thoughts were Mainly, I absolutely loved the uh, the knee fest. It was knee knee city, bitch. Who are you? We are the knights who say knee. No, not the knights who say knee. The same. That was uh, <laughs> and and it was, there were so many good ones. Like, I mean, Kenny actually cleaned out Julia. And then just sort of went, ah, you're in the way. <laughs> and the reaction was <laughs> was good. Um, obviously, like uh, Black Buddy Matthews, uh, the, the knee at the end. I, I rewatched this like the next day. That's the only thing I rewatched because I wanted to watch the knees. Please, please, no more. And I don't really rewatch matches at all, but I just there were so many good knees. We shall say knee again to you if you do not appease us. Well, what is it you want? We want. And the Buddy Matthews one as they came in for the Meltzer driver was absolutely fantastic. fantastic. Yeah, that was ah. Oh, I, I, I loved the match in the moment. It was brilliant, and I really enjoyed watching it again. Oh, Knights of Knee, you are just and fair, and we will return with a shrubbery. One that looks nice, of course, and not too expensive. Yes. Now go. Great, great fun, and the elite lost as well. So all good for me. Yeah, I can only echo what uh, James said, other than the, the fact that he thinks that those three are dweebs. But <laughs> <laughs> well, they, but as, as Brum just pointed out, though, they probably they write their own storylines. Look what they're doing. Let's have a little. Oh, let's throw a basketball over our head. See you on the flippity flop warehouse. Like, you know what I mean? I think Brum's dead right. They can go in the ring. They're great at it, but I feel they need someone else to write their creative from, which they don't get here. So. When they go off to wrestle Roman Reigns and the Usos in WWE and someone's on top of them, they'll probably be even better. And we yeah. can have Punk back. Wankers! Fucking embarrassing. Waste of our time! Fucking waste of our time! Yeah, my other thing to add on this match <laughs> is my excitement for Kenny Omega being back in the singles side of things. Yeah. The crowd reaction to just Malachi Black and Kenny Omega being in the ring together was amazing. That's a match that I definitely want to see down the line. Don't know whether it happened or not. I saw on Twitter that that they tweeted out him and Callis saying that they've got their eyes set on bigger and better things now. So that's exciting me. Yeah, amazing match. Yeah. Crowd was really into it. Easily going to get all the stars from Meltzer and quite rightly. And yeah, definitely one of those AEW pay per view matches that people will be raving about. I for one, I'm looking forward to the nine month Omega Jericho feud. <laughs> <laughs> You have a poison in your mind, and the fact that you can't see it makes me so sad. I, th- I think what was also brilliant about this match is House of Black have got three very different, distinct uh, wrestlers in terms of body shape and styles. And the way that they showcased all of them was quite masterful. 
Yeah. And obviously it's been quite well documented that Malachi Black's had injury problems and the way that they sort of worked around that so that his strengths were highlighted rather than his weaknesses, I thought was brilliant as well. You know, you had Buddy Matthews to do the flippity stuff. He had the big man to do all the heavy lifting and then Malachi Black to just do what he does best and be some scary-ass kickboxer. (laughs) The one good thing about, as he said, Omega going singles potentially, I think that the Elite as a trio, they're brilliant. They're always going to have brilliant matches. But I kind of think that they're less than the sum of their parts in that if you put the Bucks in a tag match, they will have a brilliant tag match. If you put Kenny in a singles match, you'll have a brilliant singles match. So you kind of get less by putting them together. Yeah, I think so, I think that's, I massively agree with that, actually. I, I think the only times when I want to see them together is almost in, in one-offs when the storyline really calls for it. Having them as a regular outfit, I'm completely with you, Chef. And then I think the next match was the was the women's triple threat, which again fell into one of the matches that I wasn't you know crazy blown away by. But I, I, it, especially as Jamie Hayes has been having some absolute bangers during her her run, I don't think this fell into that category. But credit where it's due, I thought Soraya looked a lot less rusty than I expected. I thought she looked, she looked half decent. I don't know if I'm being extra kind there, but yeah, it was relatively impressed with her performance actually. Yeah, hopefully it's a sign of things to come from her. Obviously, she hasn't wrestled for a long, long time, so mm. hopefully it's just a case of getting that ring rust out of her. Anyone get excited by the post-match angle, the NWO thing that they've ended up doing? I don't mind it, because I think without it, Ruby Soho is a bit lost. Yeah, and I really good. like Ruby Soho as a character. So the more that she's on my TV, I'm happy with. Would you say now that a destination is known rather than unknown? <laughs> Very well done. Thank you, I'll be here all week! The match oh, sorry, itself, mate. I didn't particularly enjoy as much as the others, but I think it was a hard spot after that incredible six-man tag. Um, but I think that the story that was told leading up to this with the kind of whose side is she on was pretty well dealt with. I don't know whether it was the best way to do it, where it was like she kind of feigned that she was going with Hater and then didn't. I, I don't really see the point in that, personally, but other than that, I liked it. Shaft thoughts? Uh, I don't really have any thoughts on this match, to be honest. <laughs> I was on such a high from the trios match that this match kind of lost me, to be honest. I think definitely following this match, I think for me it went the other way. And interestingly, going back to how I was saying this card has been poorly built, I think one of the exceptions to it has been the Page Mox feud, which I was... Yeah, I was interested. I thought they built built it well, and I thought that match massively, massively delivered. I don't know what, what, what your guys' thoughts are on that one. Yeah, I absolutely loved this match. I was massively pulling for Hangman in this match, and I'm glad that he went over. I thought Moxley performed brilliantly as always. We at the house with James and Oscar. Oscar had his timer out for when Mox would bleed, and it was around 2 minutes 11 <laughs> into this match. But yeah, some of those spots with like the like the fork was pretty grim with the blood spattering everywhere. Yeah. That was quite a visual. Some of the barbed wire spots as well. Yeah. I don't know where I am with Mox kicking out of a finisher followed by a curb stomp onto a brick. <laughs> but, um, I say kicking out, he, he got up. I guess it's slightly different, but yeah. It's wrestling. I think there is also an element that out of probably anyone on that roster, 
Mox is the one that is just built as an absolute unstoppable mad bastard, isn't he? So I think if that was picking up a random person like Ricky Starks or something doing that or Jungle Boy or something, you'd be like, what? But I think because of Mox's character is he's just this, just takes everything and gets back up again. There is, I I totally see your point, Ross, but I think I'm probably a little bit more forgiving just because it's Mox. Yeah. And yeah, I just loved it. And once again, Hangman proves that he can do this sort of match because... One of my absolute favourite matches of Hangman Page was his one against Lance Archer that was a similar kind of vibe. And I loved him in that match and I loved him in this match. I'm glad that he won and I'm excited to see where his story arc goes because he was the guy that when he had his championship run, the chase to the championship was probably my favourite part of AEW. And the championship reign wasn't probably what it should have been. But he's got plenty of time to have plenty of great years in front of him. And yeah, this match will only help. Have they, I'm just trying to think about it, Adam Page, was that Adam Page and MJF, have they only fought once? Is that right? Like, it's weird, considering they're such main characters and, and key parts of the um, roster, but I think there was like, was it the Dynamite Diamond Ring match? Is that the only the only match they've had? Shaft, that probably sounds like more your knowledge. Yeah, I mean, I think one thing that AW is very good at is they tend to have long feuds and they keep people away from each other. They don't tend to throw a lot of these matches away on TV either. So they all seem to have fresh matchups. There's never a, for example, there's never a shortage of main event matches to make, is there? Um, so it wouldn't surprise me if they've only wrestled once. Yeah, again, I might be wrong, but yeah. I just looked at the Diamond Ring match, and yeah, it's like a sort of a seven-minute match, obviously, a bit of a, with a whole Wardlow stuff going on, wasn't it? So I think, um, yeah, like the fact that so many years into into Dynamite, that, that is a potentially big, fresh feud. I'm not saying that that's going to be the next thing they do, but it's a really exciting one, and it could be absolutely massive, couldn't it, when they actually land it? Yeah, I think that they've both shown that they're more than capable of wrestling at a main event level as well, haven't they? Interestingly, with this match, I personally... I didn't enjoy it. I think that deathmatch wrestling is is very Marmite. I think that you either really like it or really don't like it. It's kind of backwards, this this one, because I thought the build was really good uh, from what I saw, but I didn't like the match, whereas with most matches on this card, it was the other way around. Like, Ross obviously joked about Mox was bleeding after two minutes, but I think he, to me, he feels like he's become a bit of a parody because it feels like every single week he's bleeding after two minutes, you know, often after the most innocuous spots. And it kind of feels like it's lost its meaning a bit. And it's just made, rather than make me feel more invested, it makes me feel less invested and makes me a bit more withdrawn from his matches. Like, he's brilliant, and I'd love to see his straight-up matches. But when this deathmatch stuff comes around, I just find myself less and less interested each time. I think with this match, he could have pulled out a gun and shot someone and I wouldn't have reacted. So it wasn't really for me. I think that my issue with death matches generally is that I feel like there's a lack of psychology and it kind of feels like they're just going from spot to spot to spot rather than really building a story. And that's how I personally felt about this match. I mean, it's great if if you guys loved it. That's fantastic. And, you know, your opinions are obviously valid, but that's just how... I viewed it, so it left me feeling quite cold, to be honest. I li- really liked the finish. I thought the finish was great, but the match itself, it wasn't something for me. And I feel like Mox is actually better than this. I feel like his you know, his matches in New Japan or his straight-up matches in AEW, 
you know, have been very good. Like, it's been better than I expected when he first joined. But I don't really need this deathmatch stuff. Like, his unsanctioned match with Omega, I really enjoyed a few years back. But this, I don't know, I kind of... For me, it's, it's jump the shark at this point, And I just don't need to see Mox bleeding every week. And and, and yeah, Shafi, even though I think, like, Ross and I enjoyed the match, unlike yourself... The Mox criticism is completely fair. You called it. It's it's like it's become a parody of himself. Like, yeah, I'm I'm hoping after this to try and give some sort of storyline credit. I don't know if him going through all that was building up to the idea of, you know, he's a monster, he's a deathmatch wrestler. But I really hope that that trope like sort of ends now because you're right. It's just it just defeats the point. And it's also not not just for his matches, but for. But for other matches, you know, if there's an intense match that's involving blood in the future, and then earlier on in the card, Mox is bleeding after an eye rake, yeah, it just devalues it across the board, doesn't it? So yeah, yeah, I totally agree with that. And as you say that, I think there was a big contrast in how blood was used in the main event compared to how it was used here. Yeah. Like it was a lot more impactful in the MGF match. Yeah. I think the Mox character will take a slight turn tonight in the match that they've got. It's him and Claudio against, I can't remember who it's against, but it's two faces, right? So I feel a bit like there's going to be a bit of a heelishness about him. Yeah, I've not actually seen the card for Dynamite tonight. It looks pretty good. Obviously uh, highlighted with um, Wardlow Hobbs in the main event. Yeah, 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 that was the only only one. Yeah, well, yeah, perfect segue that, Ross, isn't it? Into the the (laughs) Wardlow Joe. Yeah, like I said, the oh, as I said before, the Starks Jericho match and the women's triple threat. I wasn't into that. I think this was the one that I was just least into like, for me. Like Wardlow was such a hot property a while back, and now it's just just gets a bit of a shoulder shrug from me. That's not a knock on him. I think these days, booking like a, a monster face, especially one who is still probably a tad green around the edges it's a very difficult thing with overexposure of weekly tv and everything so that's it's not a knock on him i'm, I'm just saying i wasn't really interested in the feud on the match and and then i didn't really think the match itself set any fires is this where shaft turned around and said it was match of the night <laughs> yeah i mean i think what you said is completely fair wardlow himself is brilliant he's a powerhouse he can do all this you know, athletic, uh, high-fly moves that you wouldn't expect from someone his size. I think he's kind of suffering from a lot of what the Miz's opponents used to suffer from, whether it was like Miz Dow, whether it was Alex Riley, they would have this feud with the Miz, or obviously he had his feud of MJF that got a lot of interest on him and made him like very sympathetic. But when they move on from that heater, then the, the same interest just isn't there. I don't think they've really built on the Wardlow character sufficiently to create interest. I mean, like, I don't really know what there is to be invested in his character. You know, this feud is around the breakup of Ward Joe, which I don't think people had a lot of interest in in the first place. You know, and it's kind of a shame because like, I'm interested in seeing Wardlow and I'm interested in seeing Samoa Joe, but just not necessarily together. So yeah, it wasn't a highlight for me either. I think there is a bit of an issue, to be honest, with the the TNT title and the way that it's been booked over the last year or so. It certainly lost some of its luster. I mean, when it was held by Cody and Brody and even Derby, it kind of felt like it was, you know, maybe an alternative to the main event, to the main title. And now I'd suggest, you know, through some of Sammy's reigns, uh, Scorpio Sky, 
and now Wardlow and it feels a mile away from the main event. I think a lot of the interest is is kind of gone. Possibly also because AEW has a hell of a lot of singles titles, you know, with things like the All Atlantic title, the FTW title. I think it kind of needs freshening up. I'm not sure that Wardlow is a viable champion for anything more than the short term. But as we've got people like Jungle Boy who are now looking for things to do, perhaps someone like that picking up the title or getting involved in feuds for that belt will will bring back some of the interest. Yeah, I think that's a really good shout. And do you think the Hobbs might beat him tonight? I would be all for it, to be honest. I think it would make things interesting. I don't know if they would go in that direction, but yeah, why not? I wouldn't mind seeing Hobbs as a you know an alternative to obviously they've got Orange Cassidy as the All Atlantic champion. I assume Hook is still the FTW champion, so having a, a sort of a monster heel who's a completely different type of heel to MJF as the the mid card champ. Yeah, it sounds good to me. Why not give Hobbs a run? And then well, that you know, like I said, that can bring in people like Jungle Boy and to feud with him. Yeah, yeah, I think I think it's a good shout. Ross, what did you think about Ward Joe? I loved Samoa Joe's run so far in AW, but I've loved it at its peak when Joe's up against a smaller, faster guy. I think that it just makes the matches far better. I'm not entirely sure if I want to watch Joe have like slappy man meet slap vests anymore. And I'm kind of surprised that I'm saying that. But like I remember him having the match against Suzuki and stuff, and I was like, yeah, it's fine. Like, whereas I watched the matches against Derby, I'm like, this is enthralling, and this is the Joe that I watched when yeah. I was younger. Yeah, it's interesting isn't it? because it's probably if you look at his like his most famous matches, you've got the the punk ones, which is him being a beast, but then you've got the Kabashi ones, which is the men slapping meat stuff, isn't it? But I think I, I I agree with you. I think yeah, where he peaks now is with the small guys, and you're right, the Derby stuff was was fantastic, wasn't it? Yeah, loved it, and yeah. Does Joe maybe just stay on ROH for a bit? Um, yeah, I think that makes sense. But yeah, it'll be interesting to see what's next. I'm not sure. That, that'd be my guess, Ross. But but yeah, not, not entirely sure. I think it's going to be quite important to make a distinction between the two brands, isn't it, going forward? I saw some early criticisms of the first ROH taping being that it came across a bit like dark. I think some of the talent were the same. But I think having you know clearer distinction between the rosters so that they've got separate identities would be quite a positive thing. I mean, obviously, occasionally they can they can do crossovers, but I think to make ROH viable, it's going to have to be more than just the AWC show or D show, isn't it? Yeah, it also has double benefits there because not only does it give does it it gives the show a benefit, but let's say you take Joe and Joe's going and or Castagnoli or Kingston or whoever, and they have a year of doing amazing things on ROH, then when they go and have a match in AW, I won't quite say it's feeling like a new sign-in, but it feels something really hot and exciting then for AW, not just giving a benefit to ROH. Yeah, definitely. And also hopefully just stop some of the issues of an overbloated roster and actually have some real focus storytelling. So talking about focus storytelling, thoughts on the main event? Yeah. Oh no, we've got we've got the tag match. How could I miss Jeff Jarrett and Satnam Singh et al.? Was this your second favourite match on the card? Um, uh, it was It was my third favourite match. And I will completely qualify this by saying that from a pure wrestling standpoint, from a Meltzer star rating standpoint, it's, it's probably not the third best match on this card. But I quite like the change of pace. 
I thought it was quite an easy watch. So yeah, I enjoyed it. I thought the crowd were engaged. So yeah, I I enjoyed the match and the post-match angle as well. So I apologise if that offends anyone that I <laughs> shit all over like Mox and Hangman and enjoyed this match, despite the inclusion of my arch nemesis, Jeff Jarrett. I can't believe I'm saying this, Shaft, but when Jeff Jarrett debuted in AEW, I was like, what are they doing? This is the worst idea ever. Who has got any interest in Jeff Jarrett in 2023? And he's been an absolute revelation. <laughs> he's been so good in his whole run. Yeah, I actually think I think he should get the big one. I want to. I want to see him. Um, no. I want to see MJF <laughs> drop it to Hangman and then <laughs> Jarrett go over Hangman. That's that's what I want the next twelve months to look like. Nice. I think what's interesting about it. Don't get me wrong. I really like the acclaimed and everything like that. And obviously, you know, the guns are fun. But I do think it's maybe a bit detrimental to the <laughs> AW tag titles when they're the four teams going for the belts when you look back in aw history and you've got ftr hangman and mox the books the lucha bros the um hangman and omega sorry hangman and omega yeah <laughs> um and like uh even like santana and ortiz and all these guys all these like when they were just like bristling with these incredible tag teams and now it's like it just feels like <laughs> like jeff jarrett and jay lethal the guns who you know were a an enhancement tag team, the acclaimed are obviously, you know, great and have really caught fire, but are still kind of a relatively like new coming fresh act. And then a thrown together tag team of Cassidy and Danhausen. It's not, I don't think it's like necessarily giving the tag belts the kind of prestige they deserve when you could actually say, even if you forget the tag teams that have gone, actually they're probably not the, if you want to book what the four best tag teams were in the, um, in the company the four tag teams involved in the tag title match would have been involved by potentially the acclaimed. So um, I think that was an issue. But yeah, it was it was fun. I had no big issue with it. I think um, what you've just said about putting the best teams in the tag title picture, is it's kind of been the MO for AEW for a while. I think over the last year, I think it's the ROH tag champions have had more cachet than the AEW tag champions because we've... Yeah. You know, you've had the acclaimed, you've had the ass boys, you've had um, Luchasaurus and Jungle Boy, you know, compared to like FTR, the Briscoes, you know, they're actually not on the same level. Um, yeah, agreed. The only, um, the other thing to mention, and it's really bad because I'm not really like, I don't really follow a lot of like Twitter and wrestling community stuff and things. Not because I'm cool, just because of time. <laughs> but the, um, it was really weird because like FTR was such a, like a hot tag team and, and one still are, and obviously, and like Dax was was great, but like sort of semi been following some stuff that he's like from his recent podcast and stuff, and he's just an insufferable goon, isn't he? And it's really dampened. I don't, you guys might not have seen anything, but he's just, just such an insufferable goon, and it's really dampened my enjoyment of FTR, who are one of the best tag teams on the planet. I don't know if that's just me. I must admit, I've not seen anything, mate. On that side of okay. things, all yeah. that I know about Dax is that he came in and he bled quicker than Mox did. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's great. Oh, but by the way, I should probably clarify, he's not like a bad person or anything like that. He's just like constantly trying like work, shoot, contrive stuff. Oh, we're leaving. Oh, unhappy, whatever. And then they just turn up and it's like, oh, just so, so boring. Just stick to being fantastic wrestlers. But yeah, I think I think that's definitely going to be definitely going to be interesting.
So, why don't you uh, lead us off on this one, then, Brum? What were your thoughts on this main event? I've still got another eight minutes on Jeff Jarrett. Um, the um, obviously Brian Danielson is one of the greatest wrestlers ever. I think he's probably the best wrestler, best Western wrestler ever. So, like him putting out a sixty-minute banger is not the biggest surprise ever. But fucking hell, MJF! Like, how many even matches has that has that kid wrestled? In terms of actually under his belt, it's not like he's he's been wrestling forever. I'm actually just Kate. I think one second. Cage match has him at, at sub 500, and yet just an incredible performance. And not just as in the character work and everything, but wrestling, having a 60 minute breezy Ironman match. I think you mentioned it at the top, Shaft. Like it just flew by and it was over an hour long and it was just fantastic. And just all the all the callbacks. I mean, the, the stuff with the yes chan was just like I've got no hot takes apart from it, apart from it was just fucking brilliant. I think one of the hardest things you can do in wrestling is to carry someone for 60 minutes to a brilliant match. But the way that MJF was able to carry Danielson to a very passable match here was fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> now, I think the the points to make about MJF, uh, you know, are very valid. He he wrestles like, it feels like, what, once a month, once every two months? Yet when he has these matches, he seems to just come on leap and bounds in in between them. And I don't really know how he does it without getting in reps. He's clearly a student of the game. He's a total package, whether it's obviously his charisma, his mic work are well documented. But even like his look, you know, his body's come on leaps and bounds. And the matches, you know, to go out there and to match Danielson for more than 60 minutes was amazing. Like just, I think, as I said, you know, as an hour match, it's the quickest hour I've ever watched. I think what was cool or what was good about that is that they didn't have the clock up constantly. And I think yeah. that when when they have the clock up, you kind of spend a lot of time looking at it and start, I don't know, instead of putting you in the match, for me, it can sometimes take me out and I can sort of think, oh, they're, they're probably going to do a fall here or they're probably going to do this here or, oh, there's still like 45 minutes. To... Whereas the way that they used it, I thought was much better because time just flew. Um, yes, they would th- they would periodically put up the clock and I'd be like, oh, wow, 25 minutes have gone, half an hour, you know, 45 minutes have gone, so... I'm of the same mindset on that as you. And the only time that I thought about it like that was uh, during those last few seconds where the seconds are dropping down and you're waiting for MGF to tap a second after. Yeah, And and even was... that was uh, an interesting callback to WrestleMania 12, right? Yes. Yeah. They're locking in a, a submission for the last 60 seconds, trying to hold out. You know, there's a, tends to be a lot of Brett throwbacks these days uh, in <laughs> AEW, but I thought that was one that was well-placed, well-used. Absolutely, yeah. And did you guys catch any of the post-match stuff, the interview stuff with MJF? I didn't, to be honest. So, obviously, there was quite a few callbacks to Punk in this match as well, obviously with the devil mask and stuff being the most pertinent. But afterwards, during the press conference thing, whereas Punk had muffins, he had pickles, and he was like, does anyone want to try these pickles? You dipshit, come up here and try these pickles. They're fucking amazing. (laughs) There was lots of talk when we watched it live that Punk may show up after this match. That may may well have taken away from their efforts, thinking about it. But I do think that he's around the corner. 
Yeah, which is just absolutely wild, isn't it? One thing, and we've not talked about all shit. I mean, been a couple of mild references to it, but the crowd were incredible throughout the whole show. Even like stuff like the the matches, which I, I wouldn't be usually into. I was into marks. I thought the crowd were absolutely fucking brilliant. And again, to stay involved in that hour match and you know to deliver like they did after a four hour show, I thought they were absolutely fucking brilliant. Yeah, agreed. Mike mentioned that quite a few times live. So we've only got a few minutes left. Let's wrap this up. Shaf and Bram, thank you so much for coming on and talking all things AEW Revolution. Is there, is there anything that you guys wanted to plug? What about your Hasbro stuff, Chef? Did you want to plug that? Uh, no, we're all good. Just happy okay. to be back on Wrestling Should Be Fun after a long hiatus and to enjoy the company of you both. Uh, yeah. Always a pleasure. So thank you very much for the invitation. No worries, man. I think the only thing that I want to plug is, I don't know for people who get like the Aunt Bessie's frozen Yorkshire puddings that you get in a lot of normal supermarkets and you see them in a lot of places, but um, if people want a treat, you can actually get the Aunt Bessie's bake-at-home Yorkshires, which take a lot longer. They're more like 20 to 25 minutes instead of four minutes, but they really are a taste sensation and, and people should try them, but you're probably going to have to order them online unless you get to a very big supermarket. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> All right, guys, and um, just to round these things off, Spurs are out of the Champions League. Good night. Wrestling should be fun, should be fun. Wrestling should be fun. Wrestling should be fun, should be fun. Wrestling should be fun.